Thanks for joining us for season three of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner, my friend, my brother from another mother, Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. Hey, thanks, Jimmy, for that uh, super warm and kind introduction. Really appreciate it. And for all those listening, you can call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. You know, Jimmy, before we jump into this, I just wanted to uh, talk a little about something exciting that we just uh, launched. Uh, The branded hospitality marketplace has officially launched uh, in the beginning of 2021. Uh, do you know anything about this, Jimmy? Well, gee, Shatsy, I don't know. Tell me about well, the me you. You know, marketplace. Let me tell you, because you know you often sleep at the meetings. We talk about the marketplace, and I think it's I jump right into this. It's a digital e-commerce platform that we launched. We have over uh, about over a hundred companies now. It is providing best-in-class technology, innovation, professional services, and suppliers for the entire the entire food and beverage ecosystem. It really is built by operators for operators. It's really a, a place, an online marketplace like no other, that anyone in the hospitality space, I don't care if you're in the airports, hotels, restaurants, stadiums, uh, whatever your business is, if you're selling or, or buying and selling food and beverage or touch food and beverage in your world, the marketplace is for you because we are connecting hundreds of thousands of buyers and sellers every day to best-in-class companies, and I am happy to report that our guest today and some of our incredible CEOs that we've had on the podcast before and we will continue to have are part of the marketplace. So, Jimmy, you can now jump into it. I appreciate that. I was going to – I thought I might have to remind you that we do have a guest today. Um, that me so stop I, talking? I, uh, but, no, in all seriousness, I uh, can't wait to see what the marketplace does, for the again, for this industry that uh, we love so much. But let's get into it. Um, we're going to talk to our, our guest and our friend, Mr. Jordan Bush. Uh, before we do, I just want to say that at the end of our show, uh, we are going to have a special invitation to share with our audience. And I'm to be courtesy of Mr. Bush. Um, and we think you're all going to like it. So please stick around. Um, I can't believe it's it's we're now into season three of The Hangout. Um, Shachi, I swear, said our mom last. said it would never last. But here we are. Yeah, um, right. Exactly. And, um, and I think we've really had uh, over our two seasons now into three seasons, really, I have to say, an all-star lineup. And speaking of all-star, stars uh as you said we're very excited to have our friend and guest mr jordan bush ceo of seven shifts and we can't wait to get the conversation started uh jordan we're going to let you take the lead uh finally you get to say a few words on this podcast why don't you give us a little background on yourself and of course about your great company seven shifts wait before you get that does, jimmy does jordan know we have over ten thousand subscribers now did you mention that um let's just keep that i don't want to make him nervous i don't want to okay oh, i'm already okay. nervous you guys i'm already nervous <laughs> It's all good. Okay. Um, yeah, just a, a quick background on myself. First of all, thank you guys for having me on the show. Yeah. Um, super, super happy to uh, to chat with you guys. As always, I wouldn't miss that opportunity. Um, I founded a, a company called Seven Shifts, which is a labor management platform that helps restaurants simplify um, labor management one shift at a time. And uh, I actually started <clears throat> the the concept of Seven Shifts was born out of my dad who ran some quick service restaurants and uh, taught myself how to write some code, built them something small. And lo and behold, it was uh, more than my dad that had some you know, scheduling and labor management issues. And uh, today the, the business is used by over 16,000 restaurants and almost half a million active restaurant workers. So 
it's it's come a long way since those uh, those humble beginnings, I would say. That's awesome. And if you wouldn't mind, um, because I always find it fascinating um, how our, our CEOs, leaders, uh, you know, came to the positions that they're now in. You started in the in the business. You were you were you were working in a in a restaurant, uh, as you said, your dad. And um, and then you decided to develop uh, a toolkit that would initially help him, and you realized it had a much more expansive use case and whatnot. Um, I know Shachi was thinking about um, you know doing his own development work and coding, but um, he's very busy with branded uh, restaurants and branded. <laughs> if I was pieces. on this podcast but, but Jordan, right now. I'm coding. You would be coding, Shachi. But no, in, in, in all seriousness, Jordan, uh, tell us about that that transition. You're in the weeds, you're in the stores, and you realize there is a, there's a problem or a challenge or a void. It doesn't exist off the shelf. Can you tell us kind of you know how you how you then launch into your journey of web development to CEO? Yeah, kind of. Uh, even it goes even back further than my my dad's. Um, you know, they were they were at Quiznos locations actually, and it went back into like I was a big gamer. And I love video games and I just, I'd skip school to, to play video games with and, and play a part of teams online. And, you know, they eventually asked me to build a website for them. And that's actually how, actually how I started to learn how to write code. And then when I started working at, um, at my dad's um, Quiznos locations, it was really like, oh, I could take some of these learnings and build them something small where staff don't have to come in and check schedules. That seems pretty easy. And built him something very small where he could just upload an Excel spreadsheet and staff all used the same username and password to log in and download that, that Excel spreadsheet. So that was like the very first version. And from there, you know, took a lot of, um, I went, I went to school out East. Um, and then I, I always had seven shifts as kind of a back burner project and something that I loved to write and then rewrite just for, from a learning perspective. And, I worked as a software engineer at a bunch of other firms and then eventually seven just made enough money where I could do it full time. And, uh, then I quit my job. What you quit your job at seven shifts. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully not. Um, yeah, just, uh, I wound down some of the consulting I was doing and, and software development and, and I did seven shifts for like three months just by myself. And it was, it was super boring. Like I, I love teams. I love collaborating, um, it's like Jimmy, if you didn't have Shatsy, like, what would you be? Do you know what I mean? Like you just successful, you, you, you need, <laughs> you need, you need someone to balance you and, and, uh, to call your nonsense and, and to collaborate with. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's, so I missed that. And so I, I grabbed a few co-founders and we moved to the Bay area and, and tried to make a go of, of it and raise some money, uh, to build the company. So it was, uh, that's kind of where we went. Incredible story, Jordan. Uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, being in the restaurant business and an operator myself, I remember when I started, you know, uh, you know, my schedule was done with a piece of paper, a ruler and a pencil and boxes. And so I really appreciate it. And then we yeah, we really went up a level. We went to Excel and that was a big move. So really appreciate all that you've done. And I know that it's a it's it's a lot more than that. We'll get into it. Um, you know, you and I have spoken and we talk about the idea of the restaurant evolution. I think that's something we certainly have seen with uh, with the uh, pandemic, the COVID pandemic, we have, you know, restaurants have always been evolving. They always evolve and they certainly have been evolving. But coming through this pandemic, uh, the evolution has been incredible. Um, how do you see restaurants evolving and and where where are they evolving and, and what do you see the continuation of the evolution of the, the restaurants due to COVID? You can touch on that a little bit for us. Yeah, I think... Um... 
there has been such a rapid pace of evolution that we've witnessed um, that, you know, only I feel in a way could have been brought on by something as drastic as a pandemic. <laughs> Just for, I think the silver lining here is like the, the, the adopt, the rapid rate of adopting technology has, has been accelerated. So when it hit, we saw a lot of people, you know, March, April, we saw a lot of operators just kind of like there, there was a lot of fear and there was, there was a lot of concern and we saw folks go on hold. You know, I think it was 2,500 locations of our 16,000 were like, Hey, we, we can't pay right now. And we said, yeah, that's no problem. Like we're going to figure it, figure it out. And, and we had to like our company, we had to furlough 40 people and that was not fun. Um, and we we went heads down to be like, okay, well, what are people struggling with right now? Obviously, the pandemic is top of mind and people just wondering if they're going to be able to stay open, feed their families and 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 make somewhat of a living through this. And so, you know, we we buckled we buckled down to try and build things that were highly valuable for these operators and health checks and and task management was a was a big part of that. And so we did all of those things to try and say, okay, well, if you are staying open, you know, um, we want to help you do it safely. And so you can have more confidence and like, we explored a lot of stuff. Like we looked at delivery, like how can we help independent restauranters with delivery? It looks like everyone's furloughing their, or no, sorry. What happened was people weren't furloughing their servers. They were repurposing them as drivers. Mm-hmm. So then we go, okay, well, we're scheduling all these people. Like, do we, do we schedule their drives? Like we, we even went that far to be like, what role do we play in this game now? And, um, and, and so, and then we also looked at hiring. And so we, we kind of looked at all these things. And then as things progressed, we kind of, sh- we went back to, you know, some of our core offerings um, and obviously things that would help operators. But throughout this progress, we saw the mindset of operators evolve as well where you might think, oh, we're in a pandemic. I'm not signing up for software. Are you kidding me? Like, I can't even, I don't even know if I'm going to be around tomorrow. Right. We saw after like that initial hit where like everyone fell to the ground, we saw a number of people rise up. And we also saw more people coming inbound to be like, hey, I'm still open or I'm opening a business. I know that like I'm going to need a labor management system, communication tools. I want to make sure, you know, I keep my folks in the loop if we have to go through this again. I want to know that I'm doing things more efficiently. And so it was it was pretty refreshing to see that people put so much effort, uh, emphasis on some of these things that were traditionally cost savers and still are cost savers, less of revenue drivers, right? What we do is is cost saving less, like we're not an open table, right? We're not sitting seating diners. So um, we've seen f- folks say, okay, well, I'm not going to focus just on my top line. I'm going to look at how I can actually manage things a little bit more efficiently. And so, yeah, we saw people adopt third-party delivery platforms at a, as, at a, a rapid rate. But I will say the type of restauranters we're still, we're dealing with now, um, you know, anecdotally, anecdotally um, I've had a co- few conversations with even some of the multi-unit folks and they're just like, I just want to talk to you because I want to know what you guys are building. Because I think I may need something like this. I don't know if I need it today, but I want to, I want to like, what, what is this and, and how can I benefit? And, and, you know, it's interesting, right? They didn't start by coming to say, you know, we have problem X. They just, they came at me and said, we are evaluating all types of technology right now. And we want to understand what's out there because we know that we need to make decisions on best in class tech to survive from this point forward. 
So that, if I could sum up, sum it up, that's kind of the conversation. Those are the conversations that I was having, which were promising. I really like that um, that that whole story you just shared, uh, Jordan. And thank you. And and Shatz, I got to give you credit. That's a damn good question you asked, man. Usually, um, you know, Jim, I'm always coming up with great questions. I got to ask a great question. Um, but no, as I was listening to you uh, talk uh, about the restaurant revolution, you know, Branded's single most important kind of investment strategy or, or, or what we focus on the most, uh, we call it hospitality centric, uh, which we define as working with companies that are allies uh, to the owners and the operators. Um, we present ourselves, we are owners and operators, and we want to work uh, with tech and innovative companies um, that, that, that are really going to be allies and bring value uh, to our brothers and sisters in the industry. And I, we think really you and your team at Seven Shifts you know, is really all of that. You represent that. And, you know, during the pandemic, you know, you were one of the companies that were truly on the side of restaurants by offering, you know, your platform for free, um, not just to, you know, your current customers, um, but subsequently new customers, you know, at the height of the pandemic. And if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, a quote has been attributed to you. Um, and I think it's certainly very true that you can't collect money if a business is permanently closed. Um, so maybe, you know, and I really agree with that. And I, and I, and I, appreciate um you know yeah, i've tried jimmy it was very hard very hard but can uh, jordan can you share a little more uh about how you know your altruistic measures have ended up paying off yeah i think i've always been a long-term thinker around how we need to approach this industry and and just in general so we took a very long-term approach of being you know being on the side of restaurateurs like you said where hey you need you need relief Okay, we're like no problem. We understand because we know that you know by if we were to say you know what you still need to pay us again <laughs> goes back to the point like you're going to go out of business and then like or that restaurant goes out of business you were still charging them then they're gonna then they're gonna go and say like not only did I where was I struggling but Seven just didn't do anything for me you know they they in fact they kept charging me and you know and word spreads like that and and one that's like not good for business in general but two that's just morally against how I think about. Um, this industry. I think that now is where they need the most help. And I think as long as people know that we're playing the long game with them and that we're here for them and that we want them to, you know, see what we're building and see the value longer term, then, then that, that's, that's where we want to be. Um, I think, I think too many companies were a bit too short term about how they approached, you know, offering some sort of relief for restaurants. And look, I get it. Like you're, you're, you're offering them relief and it's hurting your own business and your business is going like, but, but the fact is if like the whole industry starts collapsing further and you're on those people that, that keep charging them, like you're playing the short game because then you're going to be out of business too. So you're, you're better off to kind of, you know, put, put your neck out there and say like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to support them. And because I know that when they come back and when the, the pandemic you know, starts to wind down and we get vaccines out, like people are going to remember that people are going to remember how you stood up for them, how you supported them, how you, you know, helped them through it. You gave them resources, how you coached them on how they can communicate with their staff around some of the, the programs that are available through governments. And the fact that you went beyond in, and, and you, you went beyond just scheduling, uh, selling software, which is I think what true partners actually do for this industry. So we consider ourselves more of a partner, um, to, to restaurants. And that's the, the approach we took. Yeah, no, that's awesome, Jordan. You know, you hear a lot of times um, the, the, 
the, the partner term thrown around a lot and people are like, oh, we're your partner. We're your partner. And and truly, they're not. They're, you know, they're, they're not your partner. They're just, you know, hey, pay me my $200 or whatever it is. And if you don't, I'll cut you off. But truly, in the, you know, here you are a partner. You're, you're giving away your software to people you didn't even know just to keep them afloat. And uh, and I'm sure I, 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 I know it will pay off and has paid off for you. That's the kind of business you run. Um, let me ask you something I, I, kind of in the same vein. You know, I've been operating restaurants for 25 plus years, um, and we still currently have uh, 22 restaurants in New York City, spending a lot more time, um, uh, a, a lot less time on the operations of the restaurants. And I'm spending a lot more time uh, working with uh, with startups and tech companies and uh, and that kind of stuff and folks like yourself, to be honest with you. Bridging the gap between uh, and I'm learning about tech companies and how they run, and it's very different from from restaurants and how we run. What have you learned and what can we learn? And can you share a little, because you've done both, what kind of cultural and operational perspective and what's different about a tech company and what can restaurants learn from how tech companies are run and what can tech companies learn from how restaurants are run, if that makes any sense? Yeah, I think tech companies can learn from restaurants in terms, the biggest thing they can learn is the customer-centric culture in restaurants. I think that you know, when you go to a restaurant, you have a good experience with the the server, the bartender, um, and you enjoyed your food there, like you want to keep going back. Right. And, and I, and that is just something where, you know, I, I hope to see more of it as it relates to folks running tech companies and mm-hmm. is that being highly, highly customer centric, you can do a lot of, you can do, a, you could add a ton of value that way. Um, now, what I think restaurants can learn from tech companies, I would say a lot of tech companies, at least ones that have made it past the kind of early stages of where failures, you know, very high, like tech companies are inherently very data driven and they use a lot of metrics to understand the health of their organization and whether or not to put more capital in or, or not. Do I, do I step on the gas or do I step on the brakes? Um, and I think that, while in any industry, like in any industry, you have businesses, and businesses have founders, and and founders are, um, you know, by virtue they they think of this as their baby, and there there may be a, there, there's an emotion attached to to that business. But what um, what I think savvier operators do, and um, this is maybe not even specific to tech or restaurants. There's there's leaders in both categories, but they do have a, a more operational mindset of how they think about the health of their customers, the business itself, you know, what's the lifetime value of these people walking through the door? How do I um, offer more value to them about the, with the things that they like and enjoy? How do I, you know, keep them coming back? And those are not so dissimilar to how tech companies think where they think a lot, like we think a lot about retention. Like how do we, when someone uses seven shifts, how do we continually add value so that we are seen as a core um, pillar within their, their stack and that we're not something that they, you know, akin to just an Excel spreadsheet, right? Like you, you have to constantly be thinking that way. And so I would say that, um, yeah, restaurants could learn a lot about how tech companies are run from um, or take, take the, the, the data side of it, of, of measuring mm-hmm. quality, efficiency, customer um, lifetime value and, and all these types of things and apply it to their own business. And um and just have a better view of what's happening because I know in the early stages, especially when you're running a tech company, you're, you know, you got some funding, 
you want to just go super hard um, and you may overshoot, you may overspend. Um, and it's a, it's a hard thing to gauge in the early mm-hmm. stages. I can only imagine that's probably similar in restaurants where mm-hmm. you're almost not sure, like what is the right amount of spend to deliver the most value where I'm going to get, start to see that return. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think talking to other companies and people that have done it well and, and, and know the industry and, and can help you kind of set those, um, kind of metrics and, and benchmarks could be helpful. So I think the data side is really important that restaurants can learn from, uh, from how tech companies are run. Again, I, I really like all of that. And, you know, it, 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 it rings true to branded because, you know, we, we, we like to say that it takes a village. Um, but we really, you know, we believe that and, and, and we walk the walk, we talk the talk, you know, we love that our partner companies, you know, communicate with one another. Uh, we love bringing, uh, our restaurant, uh, network to our tech partners. Um, mm-hmm. we do think it takes a village and, um, and I'll say one thing that might get me a little bit of trouble with my old brethren, but, um, I come from the financial side. Uh, I get to be the finance guy. Um, you know, I'll say the asshole factor in the hospitality industry is substantially, dramatically lower than it was in my previous <laughs> existence, my previous professional world. So mm-hmm. I, I, that, that is meant as a compliment to uh, the hospitality industry and, you know, maybe not so much for the, the financial industry, but but the fact is- I, I, is, I wouldn't think that would be a compliment to the financial well, industry. Well, some traders I know might dig that, um, <laughs> you know, but um, but I would say that, the, my, I guess my point is, I feel if you've worked in a restaurant, which everyone on this call has, you've rolled up your sleeves, you, you know that to succeed, you got to be a team. You're going to have to work as a team. And Jordan, you said at the top of the show, you like being part of a team. Shats and I like being part of a team. Um, and I think the industry screams that. You, you know, you get your hands dirty, you roll, you roll up your sleeves, and you get to work. Um, and that's when hospitality is at its best. And we think that's when tech and, and kind of the marriage between tech, innovation, and hospitality truly works. Um, listen, since it's the start of the year, and we're always talking about trends, um, that, that you know we're kind of trying to anticipate where things are going or what's really on top of mind. Um, one of the topics that you know we've both been you know talking about is you know is is surround what the issue surrounding tipping and tip pooling. We're talking about human capital. We're talking about mm-hmm. people who come to work. We just talked about teams. Um, so tipping and tip pooling. It was only a few years ago uh, that Unisco Hospitality Group you know made a big splash in the industry by eliminating tipping. Um, yeah. and, this, and it's a strategy that many of the restaurants quickly uh, adopted. Um, but I think, you know, the experiment, um, I, I think, proved uh, that wages actually decreased. And most people I know um, had abandoned the policy. I mean, uh, wages decrease, uh, turnover increased. Um, and the policy, for the most part, including it, you know, Mr. Myers, um, you know, restaurants uh, has been revoked. So now I turn to you and ask your thoughts on how how do you keep employees? How do you keep them happy? How do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them paid um, so the operators, you know, can better manage? And then let's let's stick with the issue of splitting tips, you know, as a team. And, and what do you think about that? Yeah, that was certainly an interesting move, right? Like um, coming coming back to uh, doing tips again for Union Square, I think. Um, but I mean, very timely, right? I mean, we're everyone's struggling, and so for, for folks that are working, I think that's probably. I think generally, probably a lot of people went went back to that if they if they did abandon it prior to the pandemic. But what I think about, uh, just to, to kind of like tackle the first part of that question, which is really engaging teams. I think, you know, what we went through this, you know, crazy slump within the pandemic where it was reported, I think it was almost 8 million workers were furloughed. It's like half of the restaurant workforce, which is insane. And 
you know, we, we think that, and, and what a lot of managers expressed to us at least is, is that they were worried about those employees ever coming back. And now whether those employees are ever going to come back to that restaurant or the industry itself, like that's maybe a different, different, different uh, debate. But um, certainly I think that we are seeing such a high value on the workers that remained part of that restaurant during the pandemic, because it's hard to find great workers. And if you had to downsize, you probably kept your best workers. And so what, are you doing to try and keep them as long as possible? Uh, because they are going to be critical to you uh, in the in the long term. And so we're we're seeing we're we're kind of seeing exactly that. We're seeing um, some folks that are adopting technology and communication tools like like Seven Shifts, um, and and we're seeing them the, them kind of do things a little bit more for the employees. We're seeing more folks that are adopting you know digital tip out solutions. Um, which is which is great. I think that's been a long time coming, um, where, where workers can get access to their tips basically instantly. And um, I think those are those are. I, I actually we actually talked to a customer that was doing that, um, like I think right as the pandemic was hitting. So it was like a good timing for them. But talking and and to some of the workers at at his restaurant, they were saying like this is a huge driver for me to like, I heard about that they, you know, do tip distribution here in real time and it goes right into my bank account or it goes right into my, my virtual Apple card or my wallet. And that was such a huge motivator for this individual. And I think that if you look at some of the data out there around earn wage, wage access, um, you know, there's like, it's like um, 73% reduction in, in, uh, in lateness and a 36% reduction in turnover. So you just think of offering something as simple as you know, real-time access to, to your pay that you are entitled to and, and you need to, you know, whether it's paying bills for gas or your, or your rent or you got, you got kids to feed. I think that that is becoming a big driver of retention for folks. And I think it's gonna continue to be a big driver. So that, that, that's kind of what, I, what, what we've noticed and, and Frankly, you know, and transparently, that's that's where we're actually spending some time, um, and uh, I think I think it's, it's exciting because I, I think that these workers do deserve access and to to their pay and and when they want it, and you know they deserve to live, um, you know, in, in an easier way instead of having to mm-hmm. wait for those those two week pay cycles. So, yeah, yeah, you know, that's great, and and I appreciate that. Continuing you know, with this conversation of employee satisfaction, exactly what you were saying. It's funny because in the restaurant business, the hospitality business, we really do talk about the guest experience and the guest satisfaction, keeping the guest happy and how we're going to make sure the guest comes back and the guest spends more money. It's all about the guest. But I think what we're looking at now, what we're talking about is how do you keep the employee happy? How do you get the good employee and keep that employee happy? And I think that's really important. So I know something you know, you focus on is employee life cycle. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I, and I think a lot of operators really don't think about that, but everything, because everyone's focused on the guest, the guest, the guest, that's how I get paid. The guest has to be happy, but boy, if you don't have good employees, how is the guest ever going to be happy? So how should operators think about this in the day-to-day operations and, and what kind of solutions are out there and, and, and what seven shifts doing to help in this situation? Yeah. So to, to add, it's a great point. And to add clarity around the comment on the employee life cycle. So, 
you can probably, for the listeners, you can visit our website, sevenshifts.com. You could see that we are scheduling as our core in communication and, and really like all things labor management. But mm-hmm. we take a view of uh, what we've referred to as the, the employee life cycle. So everything from the moment someone's hired, they're trained, they're scheduled at a similar time, they're, they're paid, and then they're effectively retained until they um, quit or are, are terminated. So um, to speak a little bit about our... Um, you know, some of the things we've done around the retention side, we, I, I talk a lot about um, culture in restaurants. And, you know, the fact is, there's a lot of studies out there, but they talk about, you know, just to highlight some of the problems is that, you know, employees with lower engagement are four times more likely to leave their jobs than the, those that are highly engaged. And, and the fact is, um, when you talk about the word engagement to a lot of folks, not just restaurant people, they kind of like roll their eyes. They're like, oh, like, that sounds super fluffy. You know, can't measure it, can't put it on a spreadsheet, Jimmy. Sorry, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Well, you actually you can, but there's a, there's a. Th- that's kind of the, the resounding sentiment is is um, is like, well, how do I measure it? And like, and and it seems fluffy, but you know, if you if you really look at it, you go, okay, well, if if that's the case, I want to make sure my folks are happy. Um, what are the things that make them happy? And much like most careers and industries. If you if an employee turns over, um, you know, most of the time it's because of their manager and it's, you know, the old saying of people don't quit their job, they quit their manager. Like that's that's very true. Um, And so the 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 um, the importance of leadership and management and and working with good peers is so, so critical. And I've seen it in our own company. And so. I think as it relates to getting those people in the door, you know, you've got to, you've got to hire for, for fit. Um, and if you talk to a lot of restaurateurs, you, you ask them what their core values are, they go like, well, what are you, what are you talking about? Like I hire, like who's going to show up. Right. And like, there's, that's, that's not a bad thing to a degree, but um, you know, a lot of, what I've seen is a lot of folks, um, and I'm pulling a quote from Jim Sullivan. He's a restaurant consultant, but um, you know, he says we're better at training than we are at recruiting. So we hurry hire the wrong people and hope training will fix them. But there's no right way to develop the wrong person, and mm-hmm. it's really true. And I think Union Square's done a really good job of establishing these core values and and how they hire. You know, 90% of their efforts are hiring. They talk about 10% is training. And so really like getting those, those core characteristics down is really important. Um, and then, you know, what we like to, to do and when I'm talking to restaurant operators, cause they, they, you know, we have some ideas of how you can go through this process is like, if you don't have any way to identify for fit right out of the gate, you know, who are your best employees? You can probably name the top three on, off the top of your head and think if you could clone those people, you know, like you would want to clone them into infinity, but let's identify some of those key traits those people have. Like why, why, why are they so great? Why do you want more of them? And, and, and we try to kind of make them action-based. Um, and, um, and, and, and then you basically, you know, you want to, um, you want to try and get, um, I, we had, what we did was we actually invited these people when we were establishing our core values, we, we brought them into a room. We said like, we're, we think highly of the three of you. We want to make this, we want more of folks that have your types of characteristics in how your work ethic and all of these things. And here's how 
um, we we kind of um, want to do this. And then they, they collaborate and it's kind of a fun exercise. So anyway, I, I could probably go on like too long in this topic, but I think engagement is only one part of it. You actually need to make sure you have the right people coming through the door because engagement almost doesn't matter if you don't get the right people at the forefront of that funnel. So. No, that's really some awesome stuff, uh, Jordan. Thank you. And and by the way, when it comes to uh, Brandon's top three employees, it's like the three rules of, re of real estate. It's just shatsy, shatsy, shatsy. Um, anyway. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Jimmy. That is the three, three rules. rules. Of our three, our three best uh, boys. Uh, yeah, shatsy, again, your mom texted me and said, throw, throw my son up Thank home. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate uh, Mrs. that. Mrs. Right there it is for you. Anyway, I want to turn to a uh, – a new segment that our producer and head of Marcom, uh, Julie Zucker, created for us, where you know we launched this podcast so we could talk, you know, to our guests and to other people and bring their insights. Um, but along the way, we've learned that you know our guests often have questions for us. So new for season three, we introduced the latest and greatest segment called Talking Back, uh, where we offer guests the opportunity uh, to ask questions of us. Nothing is off the table. Jordan, the microphone is yours. Whew. All right. Yeah, I think I, I would love to know you guys are obviously spend a ton of time in the industry. So what do you guys see is kind of has the most buzz around the industry right now and will be, you know, going forward? Once again, Shatsy goes to the restaurant guy. Wait a minute, Jimmy. It doesn't always have to go to me and the restaurant guy. But I will tell you one thing that I think uh, comes to mind. Uh, I, I, I think it's kind of tech related, but maybe it's uh, overarching, has little tech. But I think the uh, the ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen, cloud kitchen, this whole overarching idea of, uh, of excess capacity in the kitchen space and we need to build more kitchens and because there's not enough kitchens, so we have to build more kitchens and more shared kitchens. And that seems to be something I keep hearing a lot about. And Jimmy and I have our own opinion about that. I don't know that we need more kitchens. I think we got plenty of kitchens. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know where this is going to go. I, I think there's definitely a new, uh, this is a new kind of platform, if you will. We know we see the brick and mortar restaurant. We know what online ordering looks like. You usually order from your brick and mortar restaurant. And now there's brands that are saying, hey, look, I don't need a, maybe a brick and mortar place with a big neon sign that Jordan drives past, but maybe I can have um, a satellite a kitchen somewhere just producing this in maybe a lower cost area. So I believe I agree with that. But I guess for me, the overarching to see what kind of happens with this this ghost cloud virtual kitchen, where this takes us and what happens. I think there's a few different uh, ideas and everyone has their own idea. Jimmy, do you do you do you agree with some of that thought? I was so excited, uh, Shachi, to say the word ditto. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it's not really I said, tech, but I think that that's something that we just keep hearing about. No, I think, over. listen, Brandon has a very aggressive view on this, that the ghost kitchen, and that means a lot of different things. Um, so let's try to specify, as far as we're concerned, the virtual restaurants, and whether that's using shared kitchens, which Brandon is not so enthusiastic about, versus the um, uh, the excess capacity of existing kitchens, which we are very excited about. The fact is, we believe by the end of this decade, nearly half the restaurants in this country are going to be virtual. And that is a very bold statement, but I'm telling you, it just, it's its going to work. Um, it's too, the, the economics are just so attractive. And going back to the tech side, there is so much, again, hospitality-centric, valuable tech 
that will actually enable restaurants who live on- online, who live on sorry, virtually, to actually engage and market and advertise and reward their customers. So the uh, the toolkit is incredibly strong for um, brick and mortar stores. And I have to tell you, it is also uh, incredibly strong for the virtual restaurants. And that's one of the reasons we think it, there's gonna be such an advancement um, and so many are gonna launch. Um, so we're very excited to see it. Fantastic. Uh, Jordan, thank you. Uh, great question. And uh, I hope we gave you a little color on uh, where we where we sit in, in, in what's, what's happening and, and coming along in the pipeline. Uh, right back at you with our section called Tech Stack. Obviously, uh, seven shift and scheduling is the most important piece of any tech stack in any hospitality business. We know that. But if there was something else in a tech stack that you believe is super important outside of the scheduling and uh, HR management, which you guys do a great job of, if you had to give any of our listeners in the hospitality space uh, any kind of direction as to what they should be focusing on, where they should be looking, what areas of hospitality technology should operators must have in their tech stack? In their tech stack, what is it? Yeah, I think um, I think there, there's a few things that come to mind that are are really exciting. I think there's um, you know um, there's some some inventory, some great inventory tech and and invoicing and AP stuff out there. Um, I think you know companies like Extra Chef are are just are great um and did i they, you know, did they pay I, you for that no they, they did not i just right, i, I know sure. i know their product and uh and we have some joint customers and i hear good things george's so, getting paid advertising um, dollars Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> look look andy i tried you know um so uh, like the other the other thing is i mean it, it ties into point of sale um quite a bit but i've always been a, a fan of of um of Steve and, and, and Bebot and, and looking kind of the, of what, and I know he's, he's obviously in the, um, in the marketplace as well at, at branded, but there, you know, they were doing stuff before the pandemic hit that was really aligned with now how all the, all the restaurants are operating. So I'd encourage folks to check out, you know, um, if your point of sale doesn't offer any kind of like ordering at the table, um, type of functionality, I think, um, and, and pay, I think you, you should definitely check out Bebot. Um, I, I just, I think highly of, of, of the company and, and Steve. And so um, those are two kind of pieces of technology I think worth, worth checking out. Jimmy, do you want to throw a disclosure in there? Yeah. Th- or that, disclaimer, I mean. That last, that last segment was sponsored by our friend Steve Simone and the team at Bebot. <laughs> Bebot. <laughs> when you want to bring your own phone and order and pay. No, um, no actually, uh, Jordan, we very much agree uh, with you, not just about the QR codes and the importance of the BYOD, the bring your own device. Um, but we actually, uh, Bebot is a partner company of Branded. Um, it's a technology that we embraced uh, long before uh, the pandemic um, and and found ourselves in the right place at the right time. Uh, and certainly believe that, that Bebot, along with its peer group, are doing outstanding things for the industry and, and very much um, uh, agree with your comments on that, um, Jordan. Um, moving into the crystal ball moment. Um, it's our time where uh, we get to ask our guests to put on their Kreskin and Miss Cleo hat and predict the future. So, Jordan, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality in general? Two years out, what are you thinking? We, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, I know everyone talks about like, oh, like people are, you know, restaurants don't, I've heard people say that they don't think restaurants, there's going to be as many restaurants. And like, I don't necessarily believe that to be true. I think like 
we're social creatures and we thrive off of going out and eating and having drinks with our friends. And I don't think that's going to change in the next few years because we experienced a year of a pandemic. Like I don't think you're going to change human behavior. Um, so, so drastically. So I think we're going to, you know, probably in the next few years, I think we're probably just going to see, you know, restaurants operating hopefully more in a normal way. Um, obviously with the addition of, of virtual kitchens, I think they're going to have more of a tech savvy arm where they're going to be able to produce things at a, at a more efficient rate. I also think they're going to be more, I think the, the operator in the next few years looks to be far more operationally savvy and kind of defaults to using and leveraging technology to look at not just labor management, but communication, inventory, POS, all of this kind of stuff and, and approaches it with that mindset. Um, I think of a lot of the younger people that are you know, starting to open restaurants and that's just kind of how they grew up. Um, I think sanitization is probably still going to be going on, you know, even years from now, just for the sake of comfort, even if it's more theatrics, right? You know, you see people kind of like, you know, wipe random things or they make sure people are, wash, are watching. And, 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 and hey, things. by the way, nothing wrong with that, right? No, nothing wrong with that. You're just going to have to, you're just going to have to take all those optimizations, even if it's just worked on and spend it on sanitizer. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, maybe my, my like crystal ball isn't, isn't like this huge, like, you know, we're not setting up restaurants on Mars in the next few years. Right, right. Um, but I do think there's going to be some sort of like more normalcy within restaurants again. It'll just be a savvier operator, better virtual arm to like produce more efficiently and, mm -hmm. you know, bring your own device, pay at the table. Like I think that's going to just be part of restaurants. Um, and I, I, I think that that's, you know, that's the extent of what I think um, as it relates to the kind of like the broader changes within restaurants. Yeah, I, I love it, Jordan. That's optimism. And Jimmy and I are extremely bullish and optimistic about the industry that we love and, and have spent so many years uh, uh, working in. Uh, so I, I love it. Um, all right. Are you ready for Brandon Quickfire? Because this is no joke. This is where ready. it gets really serious because it's I'm been ready. jokes up till now, but this is the serious part. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Gives you first answer comes to mind. Don't be nervous. All right. What has been your favorite show to binge during the pandemic? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, OK, I, I rewatched The Godfather and then I watched The Irishman and then I watched Fear City, which is like, you know, the, the true story about the mob in, in New York. When, and, and anyway, so I, I basically spent like this week where I just watched like gangster movies yeah. And, and I was like, this is just like, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of buried myself into the basement for a little while and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and binged on that. So it was super fun to watch. And I feel far more educated on, uh, you know, going from fun city to fear city, which is, you know, obviously you guys, you know, live there. So, yeah, um, no, I love it. And you can't go wrong with the Godfather. Yeah. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Uh, probably the fridge. I think, uh, we uh we've got is, that a, good... is that a restaurant or is that in your kitchen? <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the newest fine dining restaurant uh, within my kitchen. And, okay, the fridge. Uh, and uh, it's 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 jam packed with with applesauce for our daughter and some leftover fish and probably some beans. All right, well that's. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm not coming to your house for dinner Chet, tonight. You, you got to send Jordan some dinner tonight. Yeah, we got to do some, do some gold belly watch. action. Do some gold you. belly delivery I, up I, there. I got to get him something, man, because that sounds <laughs> terrible. What is your favorite food city in the world? Oh, I would probably say New York. Like it still is. Like I, when I stay there, um, 
And, uh, you know, uh, my, my first impressions were like, oh, looks like every pizza place is the best pizza place in the world. Definitely. Or like world's it best is. pizza. And I was like, it wow, is. I've never seen so many world's best pizzas in a city. Yeah, um, it's all. Yeah. But anyway, I was, I was exposed to some really good, uh, really good hand roll sushi there at the sushi bar. And I'm like, dear God, this is nothing like we have back home. So I'm a big fan. of. You won't get an York. argument when you say New York, you won't get an argument from uh, Jimmy and I. Yeah. When travel resumes to complete and total normalcy. Where is the first place you want to go? Oh, probably go see my parents. <laughs> Where's <laughs> no, that? No, it's uh, it's a couple hours from me. But if like a, more of a serious answer, I'd probably yeah. want to go to, I think California would be, would be nice to get some, uh, some heat. We're in, we're up in the middle of Canada. So it's like snowing yeah. and gray here every day. So it's just somewhere where I can see the sun. Honestly, like put me anywhere where there's sunshine. It'd be great. If you were to challenge, this is the big one now. This is number five. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of air hockey, which of the better odds of beating? I maybe thought Chatsy you at first, but I think probably Jimmy because, like, if Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, may have had some drinks for this podcast. So if I can rely <laughs> on Jimmy's Jimmy's ability to have some drinks before we play air hockey, I think. I think I'll be able to give him, give him a good run for his money, but he has to have drinks before. I like it. I like it. So, and, and we know Jimmy very well. We know before he plays air hockey, he polishes off at least two to three McAllen 12. So. I, I respect I respect the answer, but I want, I want you to say um, air hockey, I put in the same category as uh, as bowling, as billiards, and as darts, which I think the right amount of alcohol makes me play better. Um, Ooh, le- less fighting words there, less, Jimmy. Less, uh, less anxious, less, less, uh, more open-minded, more free, fl- free flowing. But anyway, when travel resumes. I'm going to go to New York, and then we're just going to play air hockey. So we're going to find a bar that's got air. I agree. Yeah, that's air what hockey. I'm about to say. We'll find the bar for air hockey. We'll line up the cocktails and let the games begin. Games begin. <laughs> I like it. Hey, listen, um, Jordan. We want to thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast and for sharing some really great insights. Um, we appreciate uh, what you and the entire team at Seven Shifts do in support of the industry, uh, not just during this pandemic, but really always. You're a real, again, ally um, to the industry. Uh, to our listeners, I, I said at the top of the show uh, that Jordan had a special offer uh, to share. Um, so for anyone um, that's tuned in, uh, Seven Shifts is offering three months free on any Seven Shifts subscription by using the, the coupon code EVOLVE underscore 2021 within the app. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jimmy. I thought Jordan said he was giving everyone free subscriptions at the beginning. Didn't he say every restaurant was getting free seven shifts and he's not getting any revenue and making any money and that's his business? That, that, that was, um, and yes, you can get that special. You just have to charge Shatsy's credit card uh, for that. Oh, for that. Okay. I thought yes. that was the model. Yeah, I thought that was his model. That's it was why a, he's doing it, so well. It was a temporary model to help restaurants through this difficult time. But for our listeners, three months free, any seven shift subscription. And again, the coupon code is evolve underscore 2021. If you want to get in touch with Jordan directly uh, or even, um, you know, touch base on this special, uh, you can uh, email branded. Um, uh, we will get you in touch with the team at seven shifts. And the address for that is admin at brandedstrategic.com, admin at brandedstrategic.com. And we'd be happy to make the introduction to our listeners. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in with us. Uh, we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And the fact that you choose to hang out with us, uh, we appreciate, we value, um, and we're grateful. Um, please join us next time. 
as we welcome our friend, Mr. Troy Henikoff, managing partner at Math Ventures. Uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting podcast as one of the leading investors in the hospitality tech space. Uh, Jimmy, it, you're going to have a field day with I that. Can't, I'm, ex- like a finance person. I'm excited, man. I, I mean, Jordan, I love this one too, but I got to tell you, Troy is like a, an idol to me. Uh, so very excited to have him on the show uh, to talk about investing in this space. Uh, and finally, if you haven't done so already, uh, please subscribe uh, to the podcast so you don't uh, so you won't miss out on any exciting guests in the future. Um, and better yet, why don't you invite a friend to hang out with us the next time? So again, we appreciate Jordan Bush uh, joining us uh, today. And um, I'm signing off, Jimmy Frisch from The Finance Guy, and I pass it to my boy Shatsy. I am the restaurant guy, a.k.a. Shatsy from the Hospitality Hangout. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers.